Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hey there, plant friends. Thank you for joining me in my backyard here in Taylor, Texas. So what's going on in your gardens this week? Things are starting to look a little crispy in my backyard. And we can thank Mother Nature because she finally decided that we should have our normal, regular, hot, hot, late July summer. And she really kicked up the temperatures for us this past uh, week or so. And some of my plants aren't liking it at all. My patio plants are staying thirsty. They want to be watered pretty much every day. And if I miss a day, they're going to suffer. When temperatures are in the high 90s and above, missing two days of watering can be absolutely lethal to potted plants. Even the ones that are in partial shade, um, they can get a bit zapped by the temperatures and the heat too. So keep an eye on all of your potted plants and make sure you keep them nice and moist, watered, hydrated. You got to do that in this this kind of heat if you want to keep your potted plants alive. And, you know, it's perfectly okay to mulch potted plants, too. If your pots are like mine, they are pretty packed full of plants. But even a handful of mulch can help maintain water and reduce evaporation. And you, you just need like a fine, lightweight mulch like grass clippings or shredded leaves um, either of those would be great to help kind of reduce um, evaporation and they're both going to slowly break down and help improve the soil too so if you get an opportunity to just add a little um, mulch type material for your potted plants do it there it'll really help um, keep the soil moist for your potted plants Now, even though it's officially hot, and if things go as they usually do here in Central Texas this time of year, then August promises to be just as sizzling. 2021 started out pretty rough for us, for sure, here in Central Texas. I mean, we had a snow in January, and then we had our snowvid, snowpocalypse, super gross freeze in February and then we got a little break but then we had like a really soaking wet May and it kind of carried on into June and July and we've really been um, kind of unusually cool so 2021 has been weird so I don't know, maybe we're just going to have another break, but I am just going to go with my gut feeling that August will be hot 
just like always. And I'm okay with that because I kind of like things being normal. If we act like everything is normal, it'll be normal, right? I think that's how it's supposed to work. But anyway, if you have any plants that are struggling with bug or disease issues, you might want to consider going ahead and pulling them up, especially if they aren't particularly productive. When our daytime temperatures consistently stay in the 90s and we have overnight temperatures that um, only get down in the 70s, many of the plants will just stop growing and stop blooming. Heat, heat and water issues, they're gonna zap a plant of their vitality too. And stress plants are just more vulnerable to pest and disease issues. So if your plants start to look like crap, even after you've watered them, they might be done. And you might as well just go ahead and remove them. And those plants that were put in during the early spring, like cucumbers, green beans, squash, they have likely run their course. Even if they are still kind of putting on flowers, old stressed out plants just really aren't known for developing the best fruit, um, especially in this heat. Not unless um, you put a whole lot more extra effort into keeping plants alive. I mean, of course, you can go ahead and keep them and see if, um, if they set fruit. If you have the space and you're able to monitor them daily, you know, for sure, go for it. Um, you know, you, you really can, um, you can get lucky and still kind of nurture those older plants on and, you know, really afternoon shade and a nice layer of mulch and some fresh compost um, will be really beneficial for any, any of our plants now, no matter how old they are. Now, I want to caution you that with this heat, you got to be careful with using extra fertilizer. Um, it's really tempting because, you know, you want to, you want to give your plants a little extra boost, especially when they don't look like they feel all that great. But you got to remember that stressed and weak plants don't respond to fertilizer like healthy plants. So unless you know exactly what sort of nutritional deficiencies and issues that your plants have, compost is really much more beneficial this time of year. It's just gentler. It helps break down the soil or it helps improve the soil. And it's not loaded with extra nutrients that could cause um, issues with your plants like excessive fertilizer can burn your plants from the inside out crispy brown edges and yellowing leaves um, that's a pretty classic sign of fertilizer burn and you've overdone the fertilizer if you just feel like you need to do something to give your plants a little extra boost you know, try a pretty weak diluted organic liquid product like seaweed or any number of the, the different formulas that are available. Um, or you can make like a compost tea. That would be um, really beneficial. But start with a, m a mild or weak 
um, dilution. You can always add more, like another day if they don't respond. But it's hard to reverse over fertilization. When plants are stressed out, they are way more susceptible to issues with insect infestations, especially by juice sucking bugs like aphids. So always try to figure out what is damaging your plant before you apply any sort of product to them. Um, that way that you're using the correct formula to eliminate your problem. When we have temperatures that are cooler, like 80, 85 degrees, we can usually have pretty good success with our usual organic pesticides, but in the hottest part of the summer that we are in right now, sometimes they can actually cause more harm. Any spray-on products that contain oil, like neem oil, horticultural oil, or even just like regular vegetable cooking oil, those can damage plants in this heat. Oil, um, they p you know, you can make your own formulas um, that have oil, and some, some of the organic products also contain it. Oil, like in insecticidal soap, it, um, it helps the product stick to the bugs so that it can work. But the oil that sticks to the plants doesn't degrade as quickly before it gets too hot. Before, you know, like in the spring, in the early summer, we had um, those nice cooler morning temperatures and the oil had time to degrade. But now that it's quite warm when we wake up and go outside early and the sun is just much more intense, the oil acts like insulation and um, it causes the leaves to shrink and curl up. It intensifies that heat and it actually kind of cooks the plant. So avoid that. Don't do that, that's not good. You don't want to cook your plants while they're outside. <laughs> when I make insecticidal soap, I like to, uh, normally I like to add a drop of vegetable oil or neem oil to help it stick to those bad bugs. But in the heat of the summer, leave it out because it's not a good idea. Sometimes, um, you know, if you don't want to use insecticidal soap, um, and sometimes just a blast of water is really enough to knock off the little buds, bugs like spider mites and aphids. But if your plant is at the end of its productive time in your garden, you know, just pull it out and plant something new because coming up in August, we get another planting window and it's kind of short, but we can plant more corn, cucumbers, okra, southern peas, beans. We can do spinach and we can do more squash seeds. We are also actually coming up on a teeny tiny two week planting window where we can plant Irish potatoes again. Here in Central Texas, we have two potato planting seasons, one right around Valentine's Day, President's Day in the middle of February, 
but we're lucky because we can also plant potatoes again and during the last two weeks of August. Those Irish potatoes though, um, you know, even though they're, they're so delicious and starchy and waxy, white, red, gold uh, potatoes, they really don't like the heat at all, but mid to late August is a-okay to plant seed potatoes. Since we're going to be burying them and they're going to be staying well insulated in moist, dark soil, they'll be okay. By the time they sprout up, you know, poke through the ground, our temperatures are going to start cooling down in the evening. So if we plant now, we can have potatoes in about 90 days. So start looking for seed potatoes. Those fresh new potatoes are just so good. So I think it's worth trying to go grow potatoes. You might have a little trouble this time of year finding seed potatoes. They're pretty easy to find at like feed stores and at most nurseries in the springtime. But since that window is kind of um, really short, they're harder to find locally this time of year. But if you can't find any seed potatoes, you can try to grow some from grocery store potatoes, but uh, it, it just depends. You're, you may not have great su success, and that's because um, grocery store potatoes are sometimes treated with a growth inhibitor to prevent them from sprouting. And they do this sometimes to extend the shelf life of potatoes. But if you really want to um, try to grow potatoes, from grocery store potatoes, pick up some organic potatoes because they're going to be less likely to be treated. Just pick up, you know, just pick up a few to try or, you know, get one of those little bags. Um, that way you can have some for the garden and you, then you have some for you. There are a few varieties that grow really well in Central Texas and while you are out shopping for seed potatoes, look for white Kennebec, red Lesotho, red Pontiac, and Yukon Gold. If you can choose small one inch seed potatoes, you'll, you'll have better luck than if you try cutting up a larger one. You have to let any cut pieces dry a few days and let um, let them develop a callus before you plant them um, otherwise they could rot in the ground cutting up a larger potato is one way to save a little bit of money but you're also risking exposing the cut pieces to pathogens another thing you don't have to pre-sprout potatoes if you don't want to but a lot of people like to set their sea potatoes out in a warm sunny spot and let the potatoes start to develop eyes before they plant them the eyes are kind of that first sign of the sprouts it's kind of like a jump start it gives them an opportunity to realize that it's time to start growing stems and leaves and then making potatoes for us If you don't pre-sprout them, that's cool. Um, if you put them in the ground and cover them up with dirt, um, 
they'll eventually sprout on their own. So either way is pretty cool. But um, pre-sprouting does give you a little boost. Potatoes like nice, loose, well-draining soil. So this is going to be kind of a problem if you um, live in our part of Central Texas where we have um, that black, heavy clay soil because it holds way too much water when it rains and then it gets really super rock hard when it dries and this really isn't conducive for growing potatoes in the ground. If that is your only option, um, take a little time and really amend your soil with lots and lots of compost to help keep the soil loose. We have two weeks before these um, potatoes need to go in the ground, so you can go ahead and get started on improving your soil. Or you could just be like me and grow them in a raised bed or even in a container. If you grow them in a raised bed, um, you'll also want to add some fresh compost because potatoes are heavy feeders. And because it's still hot and you want to keep your soil insulated, add some mulch on top too. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you're enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the other shows and the music all coming out of our little station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page and like and share it with your gardening friends or head over to where you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Plow and Hose podcast if you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes, and please, 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 please leave a review. It's super easy. Just click on the stars, type up a sentence or two about what you like about the show, and submit it. This... When you leave a review, it's going to help others find the show and downloading the Plow and Hose episodes also helps me um, get some show statistics. Okay, you know, it's kind of muggy out here on the patio right now. Uh, I don't like this part of summer, but um, it's just hot and sweaty and kind of gross but I don't know the annual vegetables um, are about to be at the end of their productive lives and I also find it kind of annoying um, to start to see them fade because you know I've spent like the past few months just nurturing them and here they are looking all gross, but the other side of that is that I get to pull them out because then I can plant more stuff. And once, um, I, I, it's, it's just really nice to be able to, um, plant some, some stuff now. And once fall comes around, we're going to be able to harvest the things that we planted now. 
and also in the fall it will be safe to plant perennial flowers wildflower seeds bushes and also trees again so um, even though it's really hot right now um, there are some things to look forward to I've been noticing um, some pepper and tomato transplants at the local grocery store and I think that's great because it's time to plant those things too right now. If you want to get some more um, tomatoes and you missed last week's show, I spent some time talking about cutting tomato, your existing tomato plants back instead of ripping them out. You can take advantage of the existing root system and rejuvenate your plants so that they will be able, they can bear more fruit for the fall harvest. So if you're interested in that, go over to your favorite podcast platform like Apple or Spotify and download the July 25th Plow and Hose. It's episode 29. I cut back six of my tomato plants this past week and I've already started seeing some new growth and that's really great because I hate cutting back plants that have new blossoms on them and they obviously really want to grow and they want to put on new fruit and I hate cutting cutting those off but they really were looking terrible they were just like long and gangly and growing all over the place like some really sad crusty tomato jungle I don't know they still look weird right now um, just because I, I cut them back so much but the new growth has me pretty excited and optimistic all pepper plants are short-lived tropical perennials. As long as temperatures stay above 30 degrees in the winter, then they will come back in the springtime. Short-lived perennials live for three to five years, but sometimes they can live as um, long as 10 years. Peppers reliably come back in zones nine and above. Horticultural planting zones are based on average winter temperatures. The lower the temperatures, the lower the um, zone number. The higher the temperatures, the higher the zone number. Here in Taylor and our part of Central Texas, we are in zone 8B. So we are really close to being in zone 9. And with a little extra effort in the fall, we can keep perennials or we can keep peppers as perennials for, for now there's not a whole lot that we need to do for our peppers other than helping them stay moist they like moist soil so keep watering them deeply but less frequently you know 20-30 minutes once a week is usually about right depending on the temperatures right now you might need to water them more frequently. Just just watch your plants. If they look tired in the evening, but then they perk up overnight and look good in the morning, that's normal. I kind of act the same way when I've been in the sun all day too. 
Okay, you want to remove any um, yellow leaves that you see and just keep picking those peppers as they come on. As long as they stay watered, um, they should be fairly productive plants for you um, well into the fall. And, but once it starts to cool off in the late, late fall, they will start to go dormant and they're going to look like they're dying. And they're going to, this is going to be about the same time that all of our summer perennials start to fade and um, go dormant too. Just cut them back and cover the base of the plant with some mulch and then just let them rest um, over the winter. As long as Mother Nature doesn't drop the temperatures below 30 degrees for an extended period of time, there's a really good chance that they will come back in the spring. And now that I've found two types of peppers that I really like, I'm going to um, make a conscious effort to keep a few of those pepper plants around. I mean, why, why not? I mean, if they don't come back in the springtime, then I'll just pull them out and put some transplants in. I am uh, really interested in finding out if the shishito peppers and the sugar rush peach peppers will come back. I mean, they did really great for me this summer. And I know it was kind of unusual, cooler summer for us here. But I'm really curious to see how these two types um, will overwinter. I know for sure I can always start them from seed if they don't work out. Looking around my backyard, I'm feeling pretty good about things. I still have lots of nice color around the yard, not a ton. Um, and that's because I didn't plant a lot of flowers this year. Uh, normally I like to put in annuals for like a big punch of color. Um, I really like having lots of pretty flowers in the summer, but it just didn't work out this time. But that's okay because I have plenty of color from my crepe myrtles. They are still looking really great. Turk's cap, passionflower vines, and Greg's mistflower. Also, my mimosa tree is blooming again, and that just makes me so happy to um, have that blooming because it smells so good. And I love seeing all the butterflies and hummingbirds enjoying all of my flowers. I also have another plant that is blooming right now and it has really taken off and it's coral vine. I've, uh, I've got this growing along my fence and it's just so pretty right now. Coral vine has papery thin pointy heart shaped leaves and just mounds and mounds of vibrant pink teeny tiny flowers that look like itty bitty paper lanterns and it's so delicate looking and when it's blooming like it is now it's just gorgeous i really wish it had a scent but it doesn't at least none that i can smell but the bees absolutely love this plant and we've um we've had these plants for several years now and from the first blossoms in the late spring and then all through the late fall, like way into October and sometimes November, the bees are just 
all over this plant and it's incredible sometimes just to see how many bees visit the coral vine. Coral vine is a perennial plant. It dies back in the cold weather, but then it comes back when it warms up. All the vines and the leaves will turn brown and get all crunchy, but it'll come back. You just clear that all off and it'll come back and look really nice for you again. It spreads and it climbs by these really delicate looking but super strong tendrils. And once it gets established, it really goes all over the place. It's great. Another thing that I learned um, about coral vine is that it's actually related to buckwheat. And I was looking at buckwheat and they really do kind of have um, similar flowers. Another thing is that they have um, edible tubers underground that you can eat. I've never dug them up, but supposedly they have like a nice nutty flavor. The leaves and the flowers are also edible according to the Eat the Weeds website. Coral vine has medicinal properties and people supposedly use the leaves to make tea to help with cold and flu symptoms. I am kind of curious about all that, but I'm not going to dig up my plants and harvest the tubers. Um, I don't want to disturb. I mean, they're so happy where they are and I'm not really that curious or that hungry. So I'm not going to be um, eating those tubers unless I absolutely had to. And I just don't see that happening. I think I'd rather die than uh, have to scavenge at that level. But um, I did do a taste test and I nibbled on a leaf so that I could report back to you guys. Um, I didn't have high expectations. I mean, it's not something that people intentionally grow to eat the leaves. If they were good to eat, then we probably would have already been eating them and have been doing so for a really long time. But I did taste test these for you guys. And I gotta say, it wasn't the worst thing that I've done, but it's not the best idea I've ever done either. And I didn't actually eat it because I wasn't going to swallow it because I spat it out on the ground. And that's because it turns out that at least to my mouth and to my tongue, coral vine leaves are really astringent. So you know like when you like suck on like a lemon wedge and it makes your mouth all puckery and then your teeth also feel like really, really uh, squeaky clean. That's exactly <laughs> what I felt just as soon as I started chewing on this kind of like small, like inch and a half size leaf. I didn't like get like a big one or anything. I just picked like a small one. You know, it wasn't sour like lemon. It really had no flavor at all. I mean, I was kind of expecting like a grassy flavor, but no, nothing. 
um, just this awful, puckery, kind of numbing, itchy, drying feeling in my mouth, on my lips, on the tip of my tongue. It was pretty instant too. Um, like as soon as I put it in my mouth and I started chewing on it, I spat it out really quickly because there was no way I was going to swallow that leaf and I didn't want to get it any further in my mouth. And I don't plan on ever doing that again. Um, my lips still feel dry. They feel sunburned. It was a stupid idea. I don't recommend doing it. Don't do that. You know, another thing that probably wasn't in my favor for doing this taste test was um, doing it right after I did um, my flavor comparison between the underripe and the ripe flavor of those spicy sugar rush peppers. So yeah, no, not fun. They, I was kind of looking at my lips to see if they were going to swell up. Um, but they, they definitely got pretty red and I think my lips are finally kind of returned to their natural color. Um, anyway, I'm just really glad I didn't swallow, um, the chewed up coral vine leaf because I don't think I need my insides all puckery. I mean, who has time for that? I definitely don't. So not me. I don't recommend eating them, but I do recommend coral vine. So grow the coral vine for the bees. Grow the coral vine for you. Grow them for their gorgeous and delicate and just beautiful, vibrant pink flowers because they are going to give you just so much joy being in your garden. Just don't grow them with the intention of eating them, much less trying to survive off of them. That's a bad, bad idea. Don't trust the internet when they say you should eat stuff. But anyway, on this low note, I, I'm just going to wrap up the show. Um, I've got stuff I got to do. I've got lots of sugar rush peppers to chop up and cook down because I'm going to make some uh, pepper sauce. And I got to go find my lip balm. Have a great week. Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.